I um, uh, want to take you to the second part, actually third, I, I did it on Sunday night too, uh, of our conversation, Some Assembly Required. It's a discussion about how God gives us all we need, but the configuration is our responsibility. The uh, task of uh, finding hidden treasure, the task of putting things together through diligence and perseverance and discipline. He gives us a manual, he gives us all the ingredients and then he gets us going on it. And the maturing of our hearts and our faith is a, a contributor to the way we put our lives together. You've put your life together a certain way. You've got routines. And I know you think you're inflexible about your routines, but they do and can change. Marry someone different to you, they'll change your routines. Isn't that right? Take on a new hobby, change the routines. I must be careful how I say this now because I don't want to embarrass my friend, but I've got a tenant living downstairs and I can tell when his girlfriend from Joburg is visiting, the type of aroma that is coming from the food preparation is completely different. When she's not there, the Mr. Delivery Scooter drops by often. When she's there, it's Mexican and con con and sauces and spices. Now, he might be here and I've lost a friend. So there is a vacancy if you would like to fill it. But um, I, I, I want to talk to you today um, about perhaps one of the most important qualities to always cultivate in our spiritual journey on putting our lives together according to God's manual, according to God's plan. And I've entitled this message, Making the Most. Just making the most. We'll fill in the gap in a moment. Uh, some of you may know that I um, uh, am on an eating program called Intermittent Fasting, which is basically uh, 18 hours. I have to do 18 hours of fasting because of my body type. 18 hours of not eating during a 24-hour period. And then the rest of the time, not eating uh, also, no, that's, that would be a... I used to think it's 18 or 16 hours of not eating and then eight hours of only eating, just eat for eight straight hours. Apparently, no, you, you fast and then you get on another diet for the remainder of the time. But I've planned a little badly uh, today. Uh, so I set my 18-hour timer and it's a joke here at Father's house that when the alarm goes off, I'm allowed to eat. And the first thing I like to have is a good cappuccino because I feel that that is a holy thing. Um, and um, and it, it's something that should in fact be uh, triggered. Uh, uh, oh, right. So, um, and it, it starts my day of uh, a little bit of consumption and that story uh, has relevant. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> There's a word on there. It looks like happy, but I don't know what it says after that. Eating? That is a very nice cappuccino. While it, it lingers for a moment, I want to take you to my first scripture. I'm going to take you to an Old Testament scripture and then a New Testament scripture on our topic, making the most. The Old Testament scripture is a weird one. I'm just going to let you know in advance. It's a weird one. 
One of the greatest kings in the Bible and historical figures of all time is King Solomon. He's well known because he was so rich and he had so many wives. Uh, Unless you're as rich as Solomon, you should not have as many wives as Solomon. So let's just separate those issues right now. Uh, But he was also famous for his wisdom. He was such a wise man. You all know the story of the the two who claimed they both had the same child and all of that. But did you know that King Solomon nearly never became king? There was an incident that took place in the life of his father, King David, that resulted in King Solomon almost not becoming king. Here's the weird story. 1 Kings chapter 1 from the Amplified Bible. It says this now, King David was old, advancing in years. I'd peg him at about 120. So none of you need to worry. Uncle Brian, you're good. (laughs) Advancing in years. And they covered him with clothes, but he could not get warm. Now, the rest of the story is a little weird, so I'd prefer if you read it at home. Because I, while I was walking around, I actually had the rest of the story. Shall, shall I tell you a little bit more of it? I was going to tell you this story, but some of you have your teens with you in the service. And I was like, this is not the story. You know, that he couldn't keep warm. So the people in the land said, let's find a beautiful woman to lie next to him to keep him warm, but not to be intimate with him. And so it, it gets very, uh, you know, isi dingo. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, it's a PG service, the kids need to be. So, um, and so what happened was, Abaniah, uh, uh, the son of one of his other wives, realises David's old, he's not able to even keep himself warm, he's staying in bed too much, I'll make myself king. And he gets some friends and they Facebook, Abaniah for king. Vote, yes, 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 share. Well, you know, I'm modernizing the story. And then all of a sudden there's this great big shout and people are like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And they made him king. Well, he made himself king. And you know, uh, Solomon's mother comes to King David in his, in his uh, 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 bedroom and says, did you not say, that God was gonna make Solomon the next king? Did you not say that God put the wisdom uh, of God in him? Why have you not done it? And you know what David said? He said, I didn't get to it. I didn't get to it. And you know, when you leave things long enough, you grow cold and you keep looking for other things to get you warm and get your heart on fire for the right things, but you're not there, and then sneaky things sneak up to steal your legacy, inheritance, and integrity because you are not making the most of the season you are in. You're sleeping. And I just wanted to put that out there that perhaps one of the greatest dangers of this generation, now you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, this generation is the like most apathetic or the most lazy. Or the... That's not true. Every generation has people and seasons who are apathetic or perhaps leave things too long or don't get going. Recently, I bumped into a friend uh, in the shops. I've been getting out more. And uh, 
because I realized I say that every week. And, and the friend said, oh, George, it's so nice to see you in person. I love church online. I'm so enjoying it and I get everything I need out of it. And, you know, at the moment, I just don't feel the need to be in church. I'm enjoying church online. And I said, well, that's wonderful. That's what it's there for. Hello, church online. We are coming to you. And then as he walked away, he turned around and as though an afterthought, he became a prophet. He said, unless church needs me. And in that moment, I felt like God was visiting us. You may not need it, but church needs you. You may need to sing a song for someone who's coming today who is not in a singing state in their lives. You need to be a businessman who owns a company who raises his hand so that when another businessman walks in, they go, that's a good thing I can do also. There's somebody like me, but ahead of me, I can follow that. You need to be a parent with a couple of kids, five, six, seven, and you need to bring them to church so that when somebody with three comes and says, we can do this. That's a prophecy for some of you. Five, six, seven. Some of you are like. You see, because David may be the guy who was sleeping or, or growing cold because of age, but there are lots of reasons why we go cold. Do you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? I mean, these things all start right from the beginning. You know, such a energetic, I nearly said bedrijvig. Such a... It's a good word, isn't it? I can't think of an English word that's quite as powerful as bedrijvig. I can think of a Greek word. But, and then uh, every day he's working hard, he's working hard, he's doing well. He can't wait for his father to come visit him in the garden. Then he sins. And what happens when the father comes visits him? He's hiding. So what are you hiding from? This idea of being too passive and leaving things too long You see, five minutes ago, that was a good cup of coffee. It's not really drinkable anymore. It's not hot enough. And it's not cold enough. It is now lukewarm. And things have an expiry date. Don't let things become lukewarm. They can be excellent, masterfully made, and and powerful in the moment of their presentation. But if you leave it too long, it becomes lukewarm. Can I tell you a bit of a... when I see coffee, I always think of this joke that I, I've been thinking of this joke I heard recently, but it's, it could uh, result in some emails to me. Should I, should I say it anyway? I, it would never be rude, I am saved. But um, I, I do think it's gonna maybe, say, but you know, you, you do know me like that and, and maybe you know, you'll say to yourselves, oh, you know, that guy, we know him, he unhinges now and again, but... I heard an interesting little joke. The joke was, we live in interesting times now when gender is a spectrum, but a filter coffee and a pour over is definitely not the same thing. 
Isn't it interesting how we've defined some things as definite and other things as open to interpretation? And what we should do is define biblical things as definites. Biblical things as definites. If you're wondering about my second story on apathy and the danger of letting things go lukewarm, it must surely be the story Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And the story of the Good Samaritan is not how Jesus started his conversation. His conversation was started by a man asking him a question. The man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what does the scripture teach you? The man replied that I should love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I should love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, go do that. And then the excuses came. I mean, who really is my neighbor? So that was the context. That's a very important context because the spirit of apathy that comes upon us is a spirit that requires more explanation than the situation needs in order to get us going. So the man comes to Jesus and asks for advice. Jesus gives it. And then the, but what about? Have you ever been in a, but what about season? I'd love to get involved, but what about? I'd love to get involved, but this. I'd love to... Uh, a serve but that, I'd love to give but that. And so he had that same attitude. But who is really my neighbour? So Jesus tells this parable. A man, he says, he asks this question, the Bible says, to justify himself. And in reply, verse 30, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know the story, but I want you to listen to the wording. And, and when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he said, I'll pass. Well, I'm modifying. You know what he did? He said, yeah. That's the summary of a lot of our attitude, isn't it? Yeah. He said, I'll pass, but I'm not getting involved in that. You know, he's no relative to me. I'll leave it. And passed on the other side. Um, so too, a Levite, uh, when he had come to the same place and saw him, he also said, I'll pass. Went to the other side. And then a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him, had an emotional reaction. I went to him, bandaged his wounds, got in the mess, poured oil and wine, invested in him, put the man on his own donkey, inconvenienced himself, brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. So he gave with the anticipation that he's gonna make anyway and come back. So wealth is not a sin, it's only how you assign it. Wealth is a blessing. Wealth is a blessing. It's how you assign it. And which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? Of course, the answer is the Good Samaritan. But I do wonder sometimes if the very reason why Jesus used examples like the priest and the Levite, very religious people, is that there's a danger that sometimes we get so religiously over-preoccupied that we lose the ability to just be practical and have heart and have compassion. And Jesus cautions this story to 
the rich ruler and the men who must have been listening because one of the disciples wrote it, to say, be careful that your heart doesn't grow cold because you leave things too long or you don't wanna get into it or don't wanna get involved and don't wanna touch it. Vince and I, who led us in worship here in North End, had this conversation about unpacking things the other day. I told him that I have the tendency of starting the assembly process without looking at the manual. I feel that manuals were written for other people. And so I don't often use the manual. And I also feel that the grammatical and English translation errors would probably frustrate me. So I start without it. One of my favorite assembly projects was a little uh, set of tables. You saw it here actually on Passover, a little table that the pots were on. It's a little design I did and sent off to a CNC writer, a furniture maker in Cape Town. And I said, make two of these. They must nest together and send them to me. And he made them and sent them. Of course, it's out of birch shutter ply because shutter ply is God's gift to interior design. And it arrived and I went at it. And I couldn't work something out. It just wasn't coming right. I phoned the man. I said, you've done something wrong. I said, the, the holes are not lining up. He said, he said George, <clears throat> did you look at the manual? I said, so it's four holes and four screws. He said, did you look at the manual? I said, so it's, this is not hard. I have assembled complicated things before. And this is not complicated. He said, it's not complication, it's correction. I said, why? He said, we put something in the holes so they don't get damaged in transit. And we made a note that you've got to remove a thing first before you can put a thing. And we even said to ourselves, do we need to phone this guy and tell him this? And they said, no, 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 you're surely a clever guy. Uh, it should be fine. And you know, you could be in one of three conditions. You could be trying to insert faith into something, but you haven't taken out something. It's in the way. You haven't laid down your sin or uh, rejected your fear. And so you, there's no plug in place. Or you could be in the condition that you don't want to handle what the manual has to say. So you find Christianity really hard work because you're going about it your way. Or you simply don't want to ask for help. Vince, on the other hand, said, George, I'm not even there on some things. I bought a trampoline, he said. You can amen this out loud if you want, Vince. At the start of lockdown, it is still not assembled. <laughs> I think that idea has gone lukewarm now. His children have moved on to other things. They've bought their own cars by now. They have their own trampolines by now. Their sits. You know, it's all fine to laugh at the pastors. The pastors like it. But I do wonder what boxes the Lord has sent you that you haven't opened yet. What duty, responsibility, gift, opportunity, transaction of faith, investment of giving that you have left unattended and you keep us... And I've realised the Lord is so good at parenting me. He sends me gifts, not around me. He stacks them. When you're done with this one, the next one will fall. I think there's a responsibility on us to be wise about letting things get cold. 
We've got to be careful of that. Paul, uh, beg your pardon, uh, uh, the, the Apostle John writes about that in the book of Revelation. He said, you know, it's not pleasant, lukewarm. I'd rather spit it out. And you know, when things go cold, other things usurp, creep up and take over. And let's be wise about that. I want to talk to you then out of the little bit of time I have left with you, how to maintain a passion and an enthusiasm to make the most of every season you're in. I, for, for me personally, I'm done with being on pause because of a pandemic or a, being on pause because of a new season or whatever. I want to pursue the purposes of God in my generation for my season until I have absolutely no energy left but enough to go home and that's it. I don't want to be like David, people accommodating me to keep me warm and going because I've climbed into bed and forgotten about the next thing that God wants to do. Solomon, the man who built the great temple, almost never got appointed because David let the coffee go cold. I wonder how many Solomon's wise things are being left to go cold. And so to cultivate a passion and avoid apathy, I want to suggest three things to you from Scripture. The first is to stop avoiding burdens and recognising that burdens and blessings are often the same thing. Do you know, the Samaritan was moved. He wanted to get involved because it touched him. I, I, I uh, am a great uh, social media consumer. I noticed the other day that I like choosing a series to watch on Netflix that isn't too fast paced so that I can also watch Instagram stories or shorts same time. How many of you know Jesus is ministering to you right now? Because if it goes too fast, that 30 seconds, one minute you were consuming something else, something happened, I gotta go rewind what happened in Downton Abbey. Who is that child? Who, what happened? Must go slower so I can consume. But you know what the negative is? On one story, you see a man who murdered his mother out of anger because she asked him to stop smoking. That happened yesterday in America. The next story, it's about the drought. The next story, it's about something wonderful, a parent who raised 20 kids and one of them grew up to give the, the parent a house. The next story, do you know the problem with that is, yeah, at the end of the day, they were all informative. None of them moved me because I'm not lingering long enough to let something move me. And I wonder if there isn't a danger that we don't want to take on burdens. You should be burdened. I am passionate. I'll, be, I'll confess it right out. I'm in the red zone now, so I'm in trouble. I'm passionate about creating a safe place in church for people who don't yet have all the language of Christianity to come and explore a relationship with Jesus. It's what I'm hot for. To 
different people are called for different things. Somebody else, you may have a passion for something else. Children who've been abandoned and neglected and something for them. For somebody else, you may have a passion in another area, an understanding and unpacking of the Bible and how it relates to present day and the future and the end of days. What I'm encouraging you to do is pick up that burden and work it because the blessing is in the burden. And creating a life, not just Christianity, a life without burdens is false uh, selfishness and it needs to be addressed. I get stressed when people tell me, I don't think we'll have kids, you know, because it'll interfere with our lifestyle. People say that. Don't worry. Your lifestyle's gonna be interfered with whether you like it or not. You're gonna get older and you wanna bungee jump and they're gonna tell you, you know, you're too old now, 50, no, we don't allow. You're gonna, you're gonna get to a certain point, you're gonna go, uh, uh, um, I'm inconvenienced by my garden, I'm inconvenienced by my responsibility, inconvenienced by my boss. Stop running away from the inconveniences and rather say, Lord, I am available to carry a burden. What burden is designed for me? Because as I carry it faithfully, my burden will unlock my blessings. I used this quote the other day in the evening service. Now I hope I get it right because it's somewhere in the back of my mind. That's a really cool quote. If I get it wrong, I'll post it on social media, which you can see while also watching Downton Abbey. The quote is that uh, good times create weak people and weak people create bad times and bad times create strong people and strong people create good times and then good times create weak people. There is a cycle. There is a cycle and there is a necessity in our hearts never to fall prey to the false deception that it must all always feel easy for it to be God. Sometimes you got to take a wounded man, put him on your donkey or on your shoulders responsibility, take some budget you hadn't planned for that and put it into that and carry somebody's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Secondly, you have to ensure that something captures your heart. Sometimes things catch our attention and that disappears quickly. But you've got to go from something catching your attention to something capturing your heart. I'm inviting you to be passionate about following Jesus, about being part of church, whether online or in person or on Twitch or at Kingfisher or on TV one day. Whatever format it'll be, be passionate about it. It really doesn't matter the format. Stop explaining it to others. Just do it well and watch the mighty things God will do. Revelation 3 says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. It's not, can, can I, uh, I will finish, I will finish. Now they're flashing, I think, get off the stage. Uh, um, it's long weekend, eh? Tomorrow, we it's off tomorrow. Lock the doors. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. We're not that that kind of church. Um, but 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 let me let me let me tell you uh, this idea of 
of lukewarm and something capturing versus, here's what I've discovered. If you're passionate, you attract passionate people. If you're lukewarm, you attract nothing. Do you know why? Because other lukewarm people couldn't be bothered. I mean, it's just too much effort to have a, a, a lukewarm gathering. It's so much planning. Lukewarm people become lonely and passionate people are surrounded by enthusiastic, passionate people. You simply won't keep up if you are not going to pick it up a bit and be passionate. Finally, there needs to be a spiritual transaction and a trade-off. Revelation concludes that verse about lukewarm by saying, not leaving it on this horrible instruction of I'll spit you out. That's not the end of the verse. God never leaves something unfinished. That would be unfinished. He says instead, I advise you, I counsel you to buy from me, God says, gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shame, your shameful nakedness and salve or ointment to put on your eyes so you can see. This is a transaction. It's saying, I'll take off my dirty clothes of shamefulness and I'll put on Christ's uh, robes of righteousness. I will uh, take my blindness away and I will receive sight from my heavenly Father and I will go for real gold, not fake gold, the kind refined in heaven's fire. A transaction has to take place. You have to set aside less in order to believe for more. You have to accept that there is something better rather than holding on to something broken. And you have to have that transactional moment. It's hard because for a brief few seconds, your hands will be empty. Do you know why people don't give up broken relationships? Because they're scared of the emptiness not realising that the empty moment is what's going to give heaven the opportunity to release the next thing. You're like that guy who's trying to hold it all in your arms and open a door and to lose it all. Uh, you can't open heaven's door holding an arm full of broken things. What you've got to do, you've got to say, I'm, yeah, I'll lay it down. And now I can open the door. Now my hands are free to receive. Now my hands are free to worship. You can't leave, lift your hands and worship because they're so full of other heaviness. Ugh. So scared of that hollow moment. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be, I'm going to be jobless. I'm going to be this. Just for that brief second as God transitions you from something weaker to something greater, I want to encourage you today. Put your trust in God. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to invite you to please stand with me in all our churches. And if you're watching online and you can stand, you're not in an awkward place, I want to invite you to do that. And um, I genuinely can't wait for a proper cup of coffee um, at the, at the end of this. Uh, this uh, was, in case you're wondering how I could be so cruel to Mike, this was planned because it's very rude to have somebody offer you a cup of coffee and not even have a sip. You know, I understand that. I could see some of the daggers from some of your eyes. Like such a rude guy, doesn't even. Um, but it is lovely. I, I, I planned it to be on, an, on a... I, I want you to think about whether you're leaving things to go cold. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you remind us
that loving you is a practical thing. Help us to avoid the temptation that the rich ruler had when he asked Jesus that question. But who really is my neighbour? Teach us not to live a life of evasive manoeuvres, but to step into destiny with wisdom in Jesus' name. And while we're in this moment, if you're not yet committed to following Christ, you haven't made that commitment. And you know, tonight, today is a good day to quit playing around on the circumference of it and jump in. I'd love to pray with you. So with everyone's eyes closed for a moment, if that's where you're at, you need Christ to take over the leadership of your life. And you do that by saying, I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God, but I am surrendering today. If that's where you're at, I'd just love to pray with you. And I'm gonna ask you to do a brave thing. Would you just stick your hand up long enough for me to see it here and in any of our churches online, you could just say, Put, literally put the emoji hand up. But just put your hand up long enough for me to see it and down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's one of the reasons why the lights are up and they're gonna stay up for a while We uh, in church. We wanna see decisions and then follow through with them. I'm gonna invite you if you want after this prayer, you're welcome to come and get a free Bible or sign up for a, a course, a free course on how to f- uh, follow through with your faith. But would you pray this prayer after me? It's on the screen, and if you're online, you could pray it too. It says this, Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you. I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. Amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and worship?